So we talk about the gospel. The gospel is, means good news. And the good news is that God the Son, Jesus Christ, became flesh, became man, and lived a perfect life. This happened about 2,000 years ago. Lived a perfect life on our behalf, and then he died on the cross on our behalf and became our substitute. He died our eternal death um, that we will have to die because we've sinned. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's perfection. And so um, there are those here in this room that say, yeah, I've placed my faith in Christ. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and I've asked God to forgive me of my sins, and he's done that. God's Holy Spirit lives in us who have done that. And when we go through life, God's here in our lives, strengthening us, helping us do life God's way. And when we die, we go to heaven. Not for anything we've done, but everything that Christ has done. So that's the good news, all right? So this morning, we're talking to Christians primarily and, and saying, hey, we've got a message to share. And so I'm going to try to motivate you to share that message. If you're not a believer, this is a great opportunity for you to be here because you can say, okay, if that's what it means to be a follower of Christ, to be a Christian, to be someone who's um, accepted the good news, it's, you know, it's good for you to know that and say, okay, that's what that means. Um, so you, you sit back, you listen to my melodious tones, um, and, you know, be thinking about it, be praying about it, even asking God to say, hey, give me clarity and understanding. If you're a Christian, you need to be taking notes, um, and hopefully you'll be motivated. So let me just ask you guys, you don't need to respond out loud, just kind of think about it. If you were given my assignment to motivate Christians, how would you do it? What, what would you talk about? What would you... Um, encourage other Christians to do in order to motivate them to want to share the gospel? So this is the question I was asking myself. Uh, and I know some people, I, you know, I came to the Lord when I was a, a little kid, and so I've been kind of raised in the church, and so I've been around a lot of different churches. Um, and so I've seen some people who, be, who were motivated by guilt. You know, somebody was up there just kind of making people feel bad until they shared the gospel. Um, and so they're kind of motivated by guilt. Guilt doesn't motivate very long. It's not long-lasting. It's kind of a terrible motivator. Other people will be motivated by the fact that, um, man, when you think about their friends and family and coworkers, that they might spend eternity uh, separated from God and hell, which... The Bible, even Jesus talks about hell, and it's a terrible place, but it's, it's a place we go for breaking God's law, and it's a judgment that he talks about. Um, and it's a terrible place, and, and God didn't design that originally for mankind. He actually designed it for Satan and his demons, but uh, people who sin, that's where he says, end up, unless they let God do something. Anyway, so some people are motivated by that. Other people are, are motivated by because of what God's done for them. I mean, the, the sin that God forgave them. And they're so shocked and so like, wow, it's so awesome that God would forgive me for all the, all the junk that I did in the past, all the bad things that did in the past. God forgave me for that. And it kind of motivates them um, so that other people would have that same freedom, that same forgiveness of their sins. So as I was thinking about it, where can I take our church family in Scripture, in the Bible, to find out, you know, to kind of be motivated by that? So um, as I was praying about it, thinking about it, I, I came up with a couple of places. So these are two places that we're going to look at today um, that motivate me. And since I'm the one given, I was given this assignment, I'm going to talk about the two passages that motivate me. If you have other ones, feel free to come up and share at this time. Anybody want to come up and share your two favorite passages? No, I didn't think so. So, um, so we're going to do mine. We're going to do what I, I want to do. The first one some of you might be very familiar with. 
Uh, the second one you may not be as familiar with, especially as it pertains to um, the gospel, sharing the gospel, telling people about who Christ is and what, he, what he's done for them. Um, but it's amazing, this passage, we're going to look at how often Jesus talks about it. So we're going to look at two passages that Jesus talks about. I want you to turn to the second passage first. Um, so if you turn to John chapter 17, it's page uh, 1081. If you're using the Bible there in the, in the chairs, the black Bible there, page 1081. Uh, we're going to spend a majority of our time this morning uh, for the next three or four hours on that passage. And uh, so just kidding. First time attender is like, what? I didn't sign up for that. Um, no, we'll be, you know, it won't be that long. An hour, hour and a half. Um, just kidding again. I had a youth, when I was a youth pastor back in the day, um, one of the high school kids brought a friend of theirs, and the friend said, um, so I, this Harold guy, I can't ever tell when he's serious. Like, is he serious? Is he joking? I can't ever tell. And so here's, the kid actually described me, I think, very well. He said, the only time he's serious is when he's teaching the Bible. Other than that, just figure he's joking around and goofing around. All right? So it might be helpful for you guys. Um, but I, I want to, so being John 17, but I want to read a, a, a few verses that Jesus talks about in, in Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, Jesus is talking to the disciples and a crowd of people, and this kind of starts his process to head towards Jerusalem where he's eventually going to die on the cross. He knows he's going to die on the cross. He came to do that. He's planning on it, and he's going to head to Jerusalem. You know, his disciples are saying, don't do it, don't do it. He says, no, no, I've got to do this. I'm going to die on the cross for you guys. So he says this to the, to the disciples and the crowd. He says, and he, speaking of Jesus, uh, also I, I told the 9 o'clock, uh, we have several first-time attenders, so you'll see that sometimes there's different color words. Um, that, that's just kind of how I read the Bible. I find, it, I find like crucial words, and in my head I highlight those. So just kind of helping you guys out is maybe something you'd like to do as you're reading the Bible, to do that same thing. So I just put it up there like this on Sunday mornings. If it helps, great. If not, that's fine too. Um, anyways, so, And Jesus summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, or be in a relationship with Jesus Christ to follow him, that type of thing. He must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. Whoever says, hey, I'm gonna, I'll get my own way to heaven. Thank you very much. A person who does that, Jesus is saying, hey, listen, I'm God. I know this. You're going to lose your life. You're not going to get it to heaven. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save, save it. In other words, those who say Jesus is my Savior and Lord, he's the one who died for me, that person is going to find their life, eternal life, speaking of that. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? You can get everything you want in this world, but if you don't have a relationship with Christ, you're going to forfeit your soul. For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever, now this is, this is the convicting part, all right? So for whoever is ashamed of me, so now he's talking to people who say they are followers of Christ, people who say they have professed faith in Christ, he says, whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father and the holy angels. And so Jesus is saying, listen, if you, if you say you're a follower of Christ, if you've placed your faith in Christ, then, then you need to deny yourself. In other words, you no longer live for what you think you should be living for. You no longer live for your desires, for your dreams. 
You're, you're no, looking, no longer looking at God saying, God, you, you supply for me to do whatever it is I want to do in this world. You now ask God to supply for you to do whatever he wants you to do in this world. Your life is now his. You've placed your faith in Christ. And so your life is now his. And then Jesus says, failure to do that, failure to do life God's way, and failure to speak to people about who God is shows that actually you're really ashamed of him. So if I choose to not talk to people about the Lord and show people how God wants us to live life, then I'm saying to God that I'm ashamed of you and what you've done for me through Christ. And Jesus says, if that's going to happen, then I'm, I'm going to be ashamed of you. And I don't know, I'm not going to get into the details of exactly all what that means. I just know that's not good, right? I don't want Jesus to be ashamed of me. I want Jesus to go, well done, good and faithful servant, right? That he talks about elsewhere in the gospel. And so as Christians, <clears throat> um, we have this privilege and responsibility, and Jesus is serious about it. He didn't, Jesus didn't save us to sit in a nice church on Sunday morning, and that's it. That's not why he saved us. He saved us to, to get out in the world and share this message that God is offering to save us from our sins so he'll be with us in this world and take us to heaven one day. That's why he saved us. <clears throat> so this is why Jesus commands this, because ultimately it's about sharing this message. The cool thing about Jesus is, because <clears throat> he, he lived on this earth as a man, he knows it's not easy. It's hard. I don't know if you've ever tried it, but it's not easy. <laughs> it's not hard. People look at you kind of like, you know, kind of like you're weird and strange because you're doing things that other people don't do. And so it's, it's kind of a weird thing. It's kind of hard. So, which takes us to John 17. So at the same time, <clears throat> right before Jesus goes to the cross, literally uh, the night and the day of he goes to the cross, he prays for us. John 17 is Jesus Christ praying for not just his disciples, the 12 guys that are with him, but he's praying for us as well. And so that alone should motivate us, that Jesus is praying for us, and he does still today. He stands before God in that sense, and he, he prays for us. He, he's cognizant of where we're at and what we're doing. But in this prayer, we're going to find several different things that should motivate us to want to share the gospel, okay? So this is my attempt to motivate you, and I'm just thankful for the fact that I don't really have to do that. That's going to be between you and God as to how this plays out. But I'll do my best to be, you know, motivational, okay? I can't do that too much. I'll probably pull a muscle somewhere. <laughs> All right. So we're going to take this section by section. I'm going to make sure I don't tip over the communion elements. And... Uh, so a little motivation to share. Here's the first one coming out of verses 1 through 5. So Jesus spoke these things. Let me just stop right there real quick. So Jesus speaks these things, and he's, he's talking about, or spoke these things. He's talking about John chapter 3 through 16, which is some incredible teaching that Jesus gives to the disciples and to us. And he's, Jesus doesn't need to pray. Do we get that? Jesus is God, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So Jesus doesn't need to pray out loud. He just talks with himself, I guess is maybe the best way to put it. All right? Don't really understand the whole concept of, of the Trinity, but you know, it's who God is, and so we trust that's what Scripture teaches, and it kind of blows your mind when you start thinking about it. But the point is, Jesus doesn't need to pray this. He's praying for a purpose. 
He's praying so that the people who are hearing him pray, because he's praying in front of people, and the disciples and us who are reading it, that we'll be like, wow, Jesus is praying for us. He wants us to know this information. Otherwise, he would just think it, you know. So, lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. The fact that he's going to uh, put his life on the line for us and die for us on the cross. Glorify your son, that the son may glorify you, even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. You want to know how to get to heaven? Right, boom, right there. Jesus. Jesus is the one who gives eternal life. It's not something we do. This is eternal life. Here you go, definition. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's, that's how you get eternal life, to know God and to know Christ. I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do, which is to reveal who God is, which is what we're going to be talking about. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which, which, with which I had with you before the world was. And so, to start this ball rolling, if you want to, to, um, to, to motivate you to share the gospel, the first step you need to do is what Jesus did. And that is glorify God with your life. Glorify, it's a big you know, theological word, and we Christians use it a lot, and I don't think a lot of times Christians even know what we're talking about. Sometimes it's kind of a Christianese word, and it sounds really good, and people are impressed with our fact, that our, our ability to you know, talk about glorify, and we fellowship together, and get together, and become one with you know, all this Christianese. So what does it mean to glorify? It, it means to, to praise. It means to make people aware of how great something is. It's you know, kind of lift something up or some person up. You and I, we can glorify ourselves. When we walk around and we tell everybody how great we are and all the good things that we've done, and we're, hey, look at, look at me, look at, we're glorifying ourselves. And so we're not to glorify ourselves, we're supposed to glorify God. Jesus came, he was the fleshly glorification of who God is. You want to know who God is? Read about Jesus Christ. Because he's God, literally in the flesh. And so how he um, spoke the things that he said, the promises he gives, the way he lived life, <clears throat> how he responds, all how God responds, because he is God. He's a glorification of God. And so he glorified God. He promoted who God was when he lived on this earth. We're not God, but we can live in a way that represents him, in a way that glorifies him, in a way that promotes him, if we choose to do life his way. Again, not easy, not saying it's easy, but it's fulfilling. And we know that Jesus is praying for us. But what's the ultimate purpose? <clears throat> well, the ultimate purpose that we promote God through how we live life is for people to know what eternal life is. Because that's what Jesus did. And so that's what we're doing. He says that they may know God in Jesus Christ. The word know there means to know something absolutely. To know for sure, to be uh, fully confident to know who God is completely, that's eternal life. Having a personal relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. When we do that, and we'll talk a little bit more about it, but when we do that, Jesus doesn't mention it here, but he mentioned it back in, in John chapter 14 and 16. When we do that, God the Holy Spirit then indwells us. And so that's how we stay connected with God, that God the Holy Spirit is living in us. 
And so when we, when we do life God's way, when we do our marriages the way God wants us to do marriage, which is why we're talking about family hacks next week, when we do raising kids the way God wants us to raise kids, when we go to work and work as God wants us to do work, when we interact with people the way God wants us to interact with people, we are glorifying God. We're showing and promoting who God is to them. And in that, we're taking the first steps of sharing the gospel. And again, that should motivate us, right? Because we, we all have to live, right? <laughs> so let's live it God's way. Let's figure out what it is, get in God's word, be here on Sundays, be here Thursday nights, be in the Bible during the week, find out what it is, and then do it. Ask God to give you the strength to do it. Well, then Jesus doesn't stop there. He takes the next step. So let's look at what he says in, in verse 6 through 8. And he says, I have manifested, there's another big theological word, I've manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of this world, or out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you, for the words which you gave me I have given to them, and they received them and truly understood them, that I came forth from you. They believed that you sent me. There's the gospel again. We're going to see Jesus brings up the gospel over and over and over again. And so this next one is that we manifest, which again, big word, which just basically means we tell people. We reveal to people. We make things apparent to people. We show people. We tell people. What are we telling them? We're manifesting the, God's name. Well, what's his name? It seems kind of weird. Well, in Jewish culture, your name means everything. You were given your name to represent who you are. If you go back and you look through Scripture, the Jewish people were given certain names, and it represented who they were, what their destiny was, what the, the hope of their life would be. So me growing up, I was given the name Harold. Um, and uh, I don't necessarily like it, but I was given the name Harold. It was named after, the, the, at the time, the Prince of Norway, who's now the King of Norway. Um, also, I had, my mom had an uncle named Harold, and so they thought, hey, let's name Harold Harold. And so they did. My last, which means leader of many armies. <clears throat> so, kind of interesting. Don't know what that means for me, but then um, my Bjerga, the last name, actually means solid rock. And so the, in the fjord in Norway, you have the mountain that comes out of the fjord. Well, the, the mountain below the surface of the water is called a bjerg. And so it's solid rock or foundational rock. So that's what my name means. And I don't know if I'm living up to it or not, but um, in Jewish culture, it meant everything. And so with God, when we represent or we share his name, what we're doing is we're talking about who he is, his character, his nature, his attributes, his authority, who he is. And so we manifest that. We, we speak it. Jesus did it with words. And so how we respond to people, what we talk to people about, Jesus gave us God's word. He shared his word in words. Another way to put it. And he shared it with first to the men that God gave him. And so the way this applies to us is this. <clears throat> the people in our lives are not there by happen chance. 
The people in your life and in my life, God is giving them to us in the sense of we need to share with them the gospel. Your co-workers, your neighbor, your family members, your family, your children, your wife, whoever it is, God has given those people to us in order to share the gospel with them. God gave Jesus, the 12 disciples, but all these other crowds of people who eventually, some of them, became his disciples in that sense. But for me to know God's word, I need to be in God's word. For you to know God's word, you need to be in God's word. So we're always in God's word on Sunday morning. So if nothing else, you're getting it here. But during the week, you need to be in God's Word. You need to be reading it, studying it. We talk about it on Thursday nights. We show you how to study the Bible on Thursday nights. We're not telling you to do stuff that we're not already doing. We're not telling you to do stuff that we're not training you to do. You need to be in His Word, to know His Word, to be able to share His Word. <clears throat> so Jesus showed other people, glorified through His actions. He spoke to people about who God is. And then He he kind of changes directions in his prayer and now he's beginning to pray for the disciples and as we'll find out he's praying for us as well so let's look at some of the things that he's praying for us um, that we can be motivated by <clears throat> excuse me he says i ask on their behalf i do not ask on behalf of the world but for those whom you have given me for they are yours and all things that are mine are yours and yours are mine so this is by the way, just a little, people want to say Jesus isn't God. Jesus is saying he's God when he says that phrase right there. Again, it's not necessarily how we may say it, but coming out of the Greek, it's kind of how this plays out. But he's saying, I'm God, and I have been glorified in them. I'm no longer in the world. Now, as we go through this, Jesus is kind of talking about the, he's talking in the past tense. But what he's doing, he's really looking to the future and saying the future is so certain, I'm going to talk about it like it's already happened. So him going to the cross, him dying on the cross, all that, that's so certain he's talking about it as if if it's already happened. So I'm no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me, and I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition. He's talking about Judas who betrayed him. So that the scripture would be fulfilled. And so there, we knew that there was going to be somebody who betrayed Jesus, and someone did betray, betray Jesus. But what Jesus is saying here, so now he's turning his attention to we who are his disciples, those who have placed their faith in Christ. And the first thing he prays for us is that God would protect us. Protect us in his name or by his name. The word means to guard from loss or injury. And so based on who God is, his character, his goodness, his attributes, all that he is, Jesus is saying, protect them in your name or by your name. Listen, God is God, right? God is sovereign. It's one of his attributes, which means he is in total control. Nothing will ever happen in our lives that he is not aware of and doesn't allow into our lives. And it's allowed into our lives for a bunch of different reasons. One is to glorify who God is, to show how does a person who follows God face whatever they're going through. And to say, I'm not going to do it my way. I'm not going to do it the way the world tells me to do it. I'm going to do it the way God wants me to do it because I want God to work in that so people go, wow, how did you go through that? Well, I decided I was going to do it God's way, and he gave me the strength, and he worked out all the details and 
and I did it God's way. Man, I'd like to know who that God is. And let me tell you. And now we're into the gospel with people. But he says, keep them, protect them. So God is God. God is the one who is protecting us and caring for us, no matter what the situation is that we're going through. And he's going to use whatever he's going to use, and we can trust him because he's a good God who follows through on his promises. And if you're like, well, what are those promises? There's a way too many for me to be talking about this morning. You've got to get into God's word and find out. <laughs> Come on Sunday mornings and you'll hear, as we go along, you'll hear a bunch of them. One is that he's going to protect us. He's going to take us through whatever we're going through. And why? For the purpose of protecting us so that we may be one even as Jesus and God are one. Now, we're going to talk more about this in a second, but let me just say this one part about what it means to be one with God. We're not saying we're God, but we do have God, the Holy Spirit, living in us. So we are one with him in this sense. This is a team activity. You might be individually talking with another person or several people. It might just be you. You don't have any other Christians with you. But what he's saying is you're going to be one with God and with Christ. You're going to have your team there. God's there with you. God's working in that person's heart, and you've got to trust that. God's going to work in your heart, and you're, you're going to be able to say what God wants you to say, and you're going to be able to maneuver through the questions that they have. You know, you're going to know how to respond to them. You may be like, I don't know, but let me go find out. That may be your answer, and that's great, because then you go find out, answer, find out the answer to the question, and now you've got another opportunity to talk to them about the Lord. It's all good. It's okay if we don't know everything. We know how to accept Christ. We did it, right? That's all we need to know. All the other stuff can come as we... Anyway, so this is a team activity. God's with us in that, even if we're all by ourselves in a sense of not having other Christians around us. All right, next one. This one, I'll just, I love this one. I love all these, but this one's really cool. It says, but now I come to you, and these things I speak. So here, why is he saying this? Why is he letting the disciples and all these other people hear about this? Why does he want us to be reading this? These things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy. I should have highlighted that. Have my joy made full in themselves. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of this world, even as I am not of this world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world. You know, it's not you come to Christ and boop, you're gone. You know, you stick around. That's why we live on this earth still, until the day we do die physically. But keep them from the evil one, or the evil. Evil one, Satan, the one who promotes evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So if you want to know what truth is, you read God's word. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes, I sanctify myself. I'm going to do this first. I'm going to take the step first, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. So you ready for this one? This should motivate us. Because in doing this, in living life God's way, and sharing with people with our words what the gospel is, we're not only going to have joy, we're going to have the joy that Jesus had, and it's not just going to be a little bit, he's going to cram us full of it. That's what that word means. Joy means um, cheerfulness. It also means, I love this one, this sounds like an English tea, calm delight. Mm, yes. Can I get you some tea? Yes, do you have calm delight? Yeah, I love that tea. It's just awesome. So, calm delight. Made full. It means to cram full. 
We can be crammed full with God's joy. Everyone's looking for peace, contentment, joy in this world, right? This world's chaotic. It's messed up. Even more today than it was two years ago. I mean, this place is going down fast. People are nervous and they're scared and they're all just a bundle of nerves. And here we sit with the message that God has for them that he wants to be their God. He wants to be their father. He wants to be the one who takes them through this life and takes them to heaven. So that the path to being crammed full of calm delight is number one, realize that we're not of this world anymore. We don't have to do life the way the world tells us to do. We don't want to do life the way we were doing it. Who wants to do life the world's way? Look at the world. Who wants to be filled with anger and irritation and frustration and riots and beating up on people? And who wants that? By the way, it's not Christians that are keeping people you know, from doing that. So we get blamed a lot. It's the, it's the rules and stuff that the government has put in. It's always based by, you know, on Christianity and all kinds. All right, but we're not stopping you as Christians. Right? We can't. We're not powerful enough. There's not enough of us that we can go out and have some military coup or something, right? So we're not stopping anybody. This world is going down. We see what it's like to live the way the world wants to live or the way we would live. And the Bible talks about this. It's just we destroy our lives. And we can have that joy in the face of the evil. And again, the passage says evil one. It could also just be evil. What's going on in this world? We can have that joy. The second thing is, is that we are sanctified through his truth. Sanctified, another big theological word. It just basically means to be made holy or to make holy or to set apart, to be used for God's purposes, to no longer live for myself, but to live for God. And so how do we know that? Well, sanctify us in your truth. Your, your word is true. So we find out from the Bible how we're supposed to live and then we take that step of faith and live that way. But we need to be in it to know it. If we're not in it, we won't know it. We won't live it and experience all that God wants to do in and through us. So you want joy? Live like Jesus. Jesus is promising it. He's praying for it. All right, moving on. We've got to get flying here. This next one, we talked about oneness earlier. Well, here we, he picks, up the, picks, up, uh, picks it up again, and he says this, starting in verse uh, 20. So says, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, that, and this is where we come in, but for those also who believe in me through their word. So he's like, I'm not just asking, all this that I'm asking for, I'm not asking just for these 12, but all those who are going to come to Christ because of the work of the 12. Well, that's us, right? So he's praying for us. It's pretty cool that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that, there's the gospel, the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them, you and me, that they may be perfected in unity. Why? So that the world may know that you sent me. There's the gospel again. You love them even as you have loved me. So we're going to be one. Again, we're not God. But he makes us one with him through the Holy Spirit. Now, the Greek word for one means one. So just so you know, I know it's really profound. It kind of blew you away on that one. But the Greek word for one means one. We are one with God. Not that we are God. But God's Holy Spirit is living in us, and so now we are one with him. We are united with God in Christ on this mission 
to bring the gospel to those who need it. Twice Jesus says that. Now some people will say, well, you know, I don't feel close to God. Um, you know, I try and try and try and try, but I just don't feel close to God. The only thing I can do is point you back to the truth, which is Scripture. And the truth, which is Scripture, says that if you live life God's way and you share your faith, you share the gospel with people, you will be one with me, Jesus says. Well, that seems pretty close. So maybe we don't feel close to God because we're not doing the things that God wants us to do, not doing all the things that God wants us to do. And then the last thing that should motivate us comes out of the last couple verses. It says this, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am. Now again, he's looking kind of to the future here. That's heaven. So they may see my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, although the world has not known you, yet I have known you, and these have known that you sent me, the gospel, and I have made your name known to them, and will make it known, so that the love with which you love me may be in them, and I in them. Here's the last thing that should motivate us. If you've placed your faith in Christ, you're going to heaven. Isn't that awesome? Man, again, you look at this world, and my dad's 95 years old, and he's, you know, he's obviously towards the end of his life. And, and I just, man, I wish I was him. Because this world, if you're raising kids today, you need to be here next week <laughs> you know, for family hacks. We've got to come up with some techniques. We've got to come up with some tools, a game plan. How are we going to raise kids in this world? We're going to face stuff down the road as Christians, I'll guarantee you. We're not going to be unscathed from persecution. But we're only going to be here for a few years. We're going to live for eternity with God in heaven. And when I say that, we're not going to be floating around on clouds. We're not going to have little angel wings like people talk about. Well, heaven got another angel. No, we're not angels. We're far more important than angels to God. We're the, we're the, the creation that he put on and became and died for. You know, Jesus, God the Son, didn't die for the demons who sinned. He died for humans who sinned. Think about it. You're going to live for eternity. The Bible talks about a new heavens and a new earth. It's going to be for eternity. And if you want to read about it, Revelation chapter 21 and 22, it's a beautiful place. John couldn't even begin to describe it. He had to use all sorts of different jewels and stuff. It's a beautiful place. It's going to be an awesome place. And we get to go there. No matter what we face on this earth, even if our following Christ causes us to be killed like those in Afghanistan, in Nigeria, in China, and many other places around this world who are dying for their faith in Christ, even if it means that, Jesus says, don't worry about people who can take your life. Worry about me who can take your eternity. That's how he put it. We place our faith in Christ. We get eternity. Jures us of that. I, I'm going to heaven not because I'm some awesome person. I mean, I am. But, no, it's not because I'm some awesome person. It's because of what Jesus did and what Jesus says is going to happen. So Jesus closes out the prayer by saying that the love God showed to Jesus is the same love that's supposed to be showing through us. If we're a follower of Christ... 
if we, we, that means we have God the Holy Spirit living us, and so the love of God is in us, and that love of God is to be coming out of us. It won't be sitting inside of us. It'll be coming out to others who need it. So here's the takeaway for this week. Now again, if, you, if you've never placed your faith in Christ and you're just thinking, man, this sounds good. <laughs> it is good. It's awesome. And, and here's all you need to do. You just need to have a conversation with God where you say, God, I know that I've sinned. I know I'm separated from you. I get it now. I understand that I'm going to spend an eternity in hell without you. And so I, I just ask you to forgive me of my sins and I'm believing that Jesus died on the cross. I'm putting my full weight of trust that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. That he took away the power of sin in this life and in the next I'm trusting in that. Please forgive me of my sins. It's just having that conversation. God says, I'll forgive you your sins. I'm going to put God, the Holy Spirit, in your life. He's going to help you through this world and he's going to take you to the next in that sense. But for believers, since this is kind of focused on us and motivating us, the question is, will you be an answer to Jesus' prayer? Jesus prayed this. Are we going to be an answer to that? Will we choose to do life God's way and share the gospel? Will we be in his word so we know what the truth is? and do life God's way. Two really easy ways to do it. Number one, serve with us at the Northwood Fall Festival. So October uh, 9th, you can sign up at the Information Center. We've got a booth that's going to be there. And then the, the, um, the committee who puts this together needed some help. They couldn't find enough people to, to volunteer at the children's bounce houses. And so when we found that out, we're like, hey, we'll do it. Now, that was just a couple people who were speaking for our church family <laughs> said, we'll do it. But our church family stepped up two years ago. COVID, we couldn't do it. This year, we're going to do it again. So sign up. Be there. Wear your Grace Point shirt. Talk with people. Interact with people. Be nice to people. You know, it's kids in bounce houses. It can be kind of crazy, I know. But we've got our, uh, we just bought a new canopy. You know, it's, it's gray. We're going to try to get a Grace Point put on it. Anyways, so be a part of that. Secondly, invite people to our upcoming series. We got these little business cards right here, all right? And it says Family Hacks on it. It gives the information, a picture of our church on it. Um, invite people. Just grab a handful, go walking around, talk to people, invite people, walk up behind somebody, slide it in their back pocket, you know, when they get home at work, where'd that come from? You know, however you want to do it, uh, you know, do a like that. That was really terrible, wasn't it? Oh, oh boy, I won't be able to get back up. Yeah, invite people. It's a great way to start. And watch God work and use you in that. Well, this morning we want to close our service with communion. Communion is um, something that God has commanded us to do. And uh, we are appreciative of the fact. It's one of those commands that we like to do. And it's just a time for us who are Christians to uh, remember what Christ has done. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Um, and I won't take it until we're together again in heaven. And so we're going to do that this morning as we close the service. We're doing it a little bit differently than maybe you're used to, but we switch it up from time to time. And so we're switching up today. So let me just give you a little bit of some instructions. Um, the first one is this. If, if you are uh, a person who has not yet placed your faith in Christ, we would ask you not to participate in this. This is about the only thing we ask you not to participate in. All right, And it's very, I feel kind of awkward even saying that, but this is God commands those who have, place their faith in Christ to do this. So if you have not yet done that, we just ask that as we go through this process, you just stay in your place um, and people will gather back around you so it won't be feeling too awkward for you. Um, but we would appreciate that if you would honor that. Secondly, when, when we start doing this, we would ask that you would come to the center. 
come down, take the, the juice and the bread back to your seat. And you can have a moment of, of prayer and just kind of getting your heart and um, mind correct. And the Bible says that we're not to be taking it with sin in our heart. And so we want to confess that sin to God. Uh, this is just a relational thing that we do with God and, and clearing the ear that way. And so confess, and then um, there'll be music playing as you do that, and then just take the bread and the cup when you're ready where you're seating. We're not going to do it together uh, as a church family. And so we're doing it together, but individually, if that makes sense. Um, so if you would do that, just make things a little more smooth if we can kind of get that going. Um, I think there's one other thing I wanted to... Yeah. Um, and so as we do this, Ben's going to be playing in a little bit in the background. Uh, then the band will eventually make their way up. And then when we're all done, we'll close the service with one final song as we head on out. I'm going to go ahead and pray. Um, and then we will uh, have a time of communion again up the center and then around to the sides and back to your seat. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this morning. Uh, Lord, thank you so much for the encouragement that comes from reading your word and to having you speak to us and help us to know what life's all about and why we go through what we go through and what your purposes are and that nothing is a mistake, uh, nothing is um, um, left to waste, that you work and use everything. Um, and as we do life your way and share the gospel with people, both in action and in word, uh, you protect us and, and you give us joy and you make us one with you. you um, you'll take us to heaven one day. And we can be certain of that. Lord, as we take this time and remember um, who you are and what you've done for us, worship you in this way, glorify you in this way, I ask that uh, it would motivate us, that it would encourage us, that we would go out from here with a new commitment and a new desire to be used by you for those that you have given us into our lives, that we'd represent you well and share the gospel. In Christ's name, amen.